our subject for today, what is sin? And there isn't a person under the sun, I would suspect, certainly not in the Western Hemisphere, who is not familiar with the word sin. And our subject is, what is sin? <clears throat> Let us bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, I ask in the name of Jesus to come very close to us in the person of your Holy Spirit, please. Open our minds, enlighten our understanding, sharpen our intellects, and break down the Jericho walls of opposition to truth that you may find surrounding any heart. Father, capture every living soul in this place and save us when you come. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now in verse 31 of chapter 1, the Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That included man and woman. God pronounced his creation very good. Now we know that when Adam was made, Adam was made sinless. Sinless. Despite the fact that Adam was made sinless, God did not make that condition permanent simply on the basis of the fact that Adam was made sinless. I want you to follow me very closely. This is a most serious subject we're discussing. What is sin? Despite the fact that Adam was made sinless, he had a sinless nature. He did not have a character. Characters are not created the same way Adam was created. Characters are developed. Let me pause and say that again. In contemplating what is sin, we have to understand that nature is something we don't choose. Adam did not choose that sinless nature. He opened his eyes and he had it. That is not an expression of a free moral agent. But God needed to put Adam in a position where he now could exercise his free moral agency and choose whether to remain or retain that sinless nature or to choose contrary to God's will for him. God waited to see how Adam would choose how this man with a sinless nature would choose and so initiate the process of developing a character. You and I were born with a certain nature. It is a nature that leans towards sin. It is a nature that, if not controlled, would sin interminably. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In the same book, chapter 13, verse 23, 
Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may he also do good who are accustomed to do evil. Those two texts combine. And then we add the third verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's the way we are born. With a nature leaning away from God. But that nature itself is not a conscious choice we make. I must stress this tediously because it is fundamental to understanding sin. God does not judge me based on what I inherited through the genetic stream. He judges me based on the decisions that I make. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Let's observe that Genesis is the book where we find the definitions of all fundamental concepts within the context of salvation and the life of the child of God. We learn, for instance, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. We learn from that, that God's word it's absolutely reliable. Whatever God says comes to pass exactly as He says it. And so the Bible says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. That's God's Word. Whether creating a world or creating righteousness in you and me, whatever God does, He does it through His Word. We learn from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and there shall be one flesh. We learn that a marriage is a man and a woman. One man, one woman, not one man and one man, or one woman and one woman, one man, one woman. We learn the definition of a marriage in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And the Lord God took the man which he had formed and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. We understand that people should have something to do with their time. They ought to work. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat. But freedom has restrictions. That's a difficult concept to swallow in a nation where we feel we have the freedom to do whatever we like. But for perfect people, God put restrictions. Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We discover that God places limitations even on sinless people. How much more limitations on sinful people? Let's look at verses 16, 17 again of Genesis chapter 2. In the light of our subject, what is sin? God is giving Adam information. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. This is clear, indisputable, crystal clear information. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we have in these two verses of verse 17, the great law of cause and effect. For those of you who are not Seventh-day Adventists, I want to recommend an author to you that will fascinate you more than John Grisham, Michael Crichton or Crichton, whatever his name is, or Stephen King. 
or Shakespeare or any other of those writers or Ernest Hemingway or William Faulkner or Virginia Woolf. I recommend to you a woman called Ellen G. White. No recommendation. And she has written some books. If you read them, you will sit back in consternation and wonder, how is it a woman with little or no education can write with such profundity? She wrote a book called Patriarchs and Prophets, which deals with this subject. I urge you to get it. If you have Seventh-day Adventist friends, they should fall over themselves to get you a copy at no cost to yourself. Here's what she said. I don't recall precisely what book. She said to parents, when raising your children, teach them the, to reason from cause to effect. Now what is cause to effect? Simply action and consequence. People need to learn that for every action, you scientists finish it for me, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It is a biblical principle. In the day thou eatest thereof, that's the action, thou shalt surely die. That's the opposite and equal reaction, perhaps far more devastating than the action itself. Cause and effect. Listen to me, let me digress briefly at 22 minutes after 12. Cause and effect operates in all areas of life. It is a principle that functions in the cosmos from one end of this unfenced universe to the next. If you study hard and in an organized way, you will get academic results. If you pray, you will go strong. If you earnestly study God's word, you will lose your taste for the things of this world. You will develop a refined taste for spiritual things. If you keep yourself according to the will of God, your influence will be wholesome on those who operate in your sphere of influence. There is an effect for every cause. God said, In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What God gave to Adam was plain and simple information with which and on the basis of which to make a choice. Now animals have no moral structure. Even though physiologically animals and we are virtually the same thing. The Bible says the life in us is the life in an animal. Ecclesiastes 3.19 for that which befalleth the sons of men, befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. Genesis 2, 7 we read. At the beginning of this presentation, what is sin? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Genesis 2:19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air. Same way. Ecclesiastes 3.20, all are of the dust, all return to dust again. The same verse says, all go unto one place. At a physical, physiological, non-moral level, there is no difference between me and a cow. When I die, I decompose. When that cow dies, it decomposes, whether in the ground or in my stomach. Decomposition 
takes place. But God made human beings with something the animals do not have. And that is the capacity to make moral choices. And a moral choice is not necessarily a reflex action. It is a conscious activity of the will. And so God said to Adam, if you eat this, if you choose to eat it in the light of this information clearly given to you, if you make that choice, that is the consequence. Sin will occur as a result of your choice. And so Genesis tells us that sin is a choice. Now you may say, what about sins of ignorance? I'll come to them. Let's jump from Genesis 2 to Genesis 20. As we continue, what is sin? 26 minutes after 12. Hope you're enjoying the food. Judging by the aroma assailing my nostrils, I assume it is good. Is it good? I'm glad. You know, food is important. In Genesis 2.9, the Bible says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. It has to look good and good for food. So food is important. Even when we are in heaven and our immortal cannot die, we still eat from the tree of life. Twelve manner of fruit. Genesis 22 verse 2. Twelve manner of fruit. So eating is important, but also remember the Bible says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, what should we do? Yes, do all to the glory of God. Have you found Genesis 20? Reading from verse 1 as we continue, what is sin? And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Girah. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Girah, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. And said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Verse 4. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, She is my sister. And she, even she herself said, He is my brother. Then Abimelech said, In the integrity of my heart, and innocency of my hands, have I done this? And God said to him in a dream, Yea, I know thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Let us... Review that passage, Genesis 21 to 7. Abraham sojourns in Gerar, the land of the Philistines. He had already had an experience with Pharaoh in Genesis 12 when Pharaoh took Sarah. Pharaoh heard that Sarah was his sister. Abraham did the same thing in Genesis 12. He did it in Genesis 20. And by the way, Isaac, his brother, did it in Genesis 26, like father, like son. When Abimelech heard that this uncommonly beautiful woman was not married, based on what Abraham said, 
This is all the information Abimelech had. We're talking about what is sin. Abimelech's information was, Sarah is Abraham's sister. Therefore, I can take her and make her my wife. And he did, verse 2. But even though he sinned ignorantly, not by conscious choice, by that I mean not by willful violation of clearly known information, such as Adam had. But he still sinned. But God understood he sinned in ignorance. That's why he pleaded his case. In verse 5, said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. And now he pleads his innocence in the integrity of my heart. I meant no harm. I thought I was doing right. Based on what I knew, I made a decision. And the innocency of my hands, it is possible to sin in the integrity of your heart. Yes. But God wants you to know you're wrong. Even though it was done innocently. And God responded as fairly as God always does. He said, yeah, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. God said, I know you didn't know. I know that. Now I have brought you additional information. That woman is that man's wife. Now you know. Now choose again Abimelech. And in verse 14, Abimelech let her go. Now he knew. And the sin he committed ignorantly could now no longer be a sin of ignorance. Because now he knows. For sin to count against you, which is another way of saying, for sin to incur guilt. You see, where there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. Now, I didn't say where there's no guilt, there's no sin. Because if a little baby comes to your house, brought by the parents, and the parents are happy and rejoicing in their five-month-old child, and the child crawls across the living room floor, pulls down your, your tablecloth, breaks a precious thing you had there, can you call the police? No! Not to arrest that child, but is your vase or your vase broken? Yes! But you charge that child with guilt? No! So while Abimelech sinned in ignorance, he still sinned, but it was not charged against him while he was ignorant. So God came to relieve him of his ignorance because God does not desire that we sin even in ignorance. Because ignorant sins still hurt. If you don't know that sulfuric acid is dangerous and you start drinking it, your ignorance will not save you. Ignorance is not protection from harm. Ignorance keeps away guilt. But God does everything in His divine power to open our eyes to the fact that what you have been doing in ignorance has been hurting me. I have not charged you with guilt, but now you know if you continue, you're guilty. Some people say, well, I never knew Saturday was the Sabbath. But when you find out, and you still refuse to observe it according to God's unchanging law, you can no longer plead ignorance. When I was in Uganda last year, I was counseling a couple. I would counsel 9 to 12. The crusade was in the evening. And this couple came from 
I won't say from where, because this state may go all over the world, so I have to be careful. But this, this couple came to me, young couple. And um, the little girl, the wife, 18 years old, the boy, but not a boy, the man, 25, 24. And always smiling, he was as black as night and his teeth like milk. When he smiled, he almost needed to put on dark glasses. And uh, he was telling us his wife is giving him trouble. <laughs> so we said, well, what do you mean trouble? When she won't listen to me. We said, well, myself and the local pastor, do you talk to her? He said, I try, but it doesn't work. He said, so I beat her. <laughs> so we said, no, 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 no. And he smiled when he said it. We said, no, 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 no. Don't beat your wife. You may prayerfully beat your child, and don't do it often, but you don't beat your wife. He said, oh. We said, turn and tell her, because she couldn't speak English, and he just barely spoke it. Tell her you're sorry for beating her. And without hesitation, he turned with the same milk-white smile and told his wife as an interesting language, that he was sorry and then the wife smiled then he turned back to us for further instruction we said tell her you will not do it again he turned back with the undying smile on his charcoal face and he told her i will not beat you again and she smiled again and he turned back for more instruction we said tell her you love her and he turned around said whatever he said and she smiled only the kind of smile that can be elicited by the statement i love you and he turned back for more instructions and then we just smiled he received new light. You don't beat your wife. And instantaneously, he repented and he told her, I will beat you no more. I will talk, I will pray, or I will come and report you to the pastors. When light comes our way, our best choice is to accept it immediately because light is life. What is sin? Sin is a conscious decision to violate God's clear counsel to us. Sin is a willful, knowing, conscious decision to go contrary to very clear information from God. Let's hear what Jesus has to say. 25 to 1. We have 15 minutes. In John chapter 15, reading from verse 18, just to get the connection. Jesus said, If the world hate you, ye know it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. And all these things will they do unto you for my, for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Now verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. If I had not come and delivered God's instruction, as it were, from the horse's mouth, if I had not told them, I could not have charged them with sin. But now they have no cloak for their sins. 
Skip verse 23, go to 24. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. Jesus saying, by words I have spoken and by deeds I have done, I have provided information for them to choose wisely. And the wisest choice is always that choice that is in conformity with the will of God. If I had not told them, they had not had sin since Jesus Christ. Sin that counts against you. Let me repeat that differently. Sin that incurs guilt is that sin that is a result of a conscious choice to go contrary to God's word. A sin of ignorance is still a sin. But God is so merciful when God knows that you truly do not know, no guilt is charged to you. But there's still a sin. Now, what do I mean by a sin of ignorance? Let me define that. A sin of ignorance must have two components to it. Listen carefully. One, I did not know. Two, I had no way of knowing. It is on component number two that most of the world will stand guilty before God because, let me restrict that to the United States, Western Hemisphere, running over the place with preachers and religious programs on television and Bibles and all kinds of avenues for getting into contact with God's will and His Word. A person in the Western Hemisphere has a very, very thin justification for saying, I had no possible way of knowing. Now you can possibly say that in China, not the United States, not Europe, not Australia or any other so-called westernized country. There are abundant opportunities to know. And so a sin of ignorance requires two things to fly with God. One, I did not know. Two, I had no way of knowing. Which one of you seated before me can say to God, I had no way of knowing, thou shalt not kill? Which one of us can say, I had no way of knowing, the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God? Which one of us can say, I had no way of knowing that one man should marry one woman? Sin is the reason why some of us are sick. Wait a minute. Don't lose your love for me yet. Let me explain that. We're sick because of sin we have committed or because of sin someone else has committed. That's what I mean. Some people have a battle with alcohol because it has come down through the family. Of course, that f dark family heritage does not constitute a compelling reason for you to choose to drink. No genetic inheritance can put a gun to your head and tell you, you must drink, or you must smoke, or you must rob. I read an article in Time, I believe it was, where there's some gene for uh, adultery. People must commit adultery. Oh, no. 
It all comes down to how do I choose in the light of information sin? The Bible defines sin, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now let me say something bold and startling. That is the only definition of sin. Now you may read Proverbs 24.9 and tell me, well, pastor, Proverbs 24.9 says the thought of foolishness is sin. That's not necessarily a definition. That's an example. Are you with me? There are ways to define. You can define classically or you can define by example. What is a vehicle? Well, a definition by example is a vehicle is a car. That's an example. What is an athlete? An athlete is a basketball player. That's example. A definition might be an athlete is a man or woman who dedicates himself or herself to the pursuit of excellence in a particular field of athletic expression. Now that's a definition of an athlete. That's not an example. Because then someone may follow up and say now, for example, and you say Shaquille O'Neal. Sin is a transgression of the law. Let me say something else. We have seven minutes to go. I'll say more about sin tonight. Please come back. You cannot sin unless you break one of the Ten Commandments. Let me say that again. You cannot sin unless you violate one of the Ten Commandments. Now, of course, in Psalm 119, verse 96, the Bible says, Thy commandment is exceeding broad. We have no concept of how much the commandments encompass. And so we read the sixth commandment, Thou shalt not kill. And we just automatically assume it means don't kill someone else. It also means don't kill yourself by your health habits. So when I sit in a bar, pouring alcohol into my stomach like gasoline into the tank of a car, I am in violation of commandment six, thou shalt not kill. Because people are killed immediately or people are killed over a period of time. You cannot sin unless you violate one of the ten commandments. What is sin? Sin is a conscious choice to go contrary to God's clearly revealed word. All people know fornication is sin, but they do it. Unless you grew up in a jungle somewhere and saw only animals, for examples, you know fornication is sin. If for no other reason, I've never known anyone to pray first before committing that sin. We know Sabbath breaking is sin. I have something else to tell you about God's law when I come to the subject how to read your boyfriend's mind or your girlfriend's mind or your professor's mind. For today, and I plead with you, come back tonight when I deal with this more fully. 
It is such a delicate subject, I do not want to tell you too much. The mind, however genius it may be, can only take on so much at a time to deal with. And I want to leave you with what you've heard. One, sin is a conscious choice to violate that which is known about God's will. Two, a sin of ignorance is a sin that has two components. I did not know and I had no way of knowing. Three, you can only sin by violating the Ten Commandments. Four, sin that is committed willfully incurs guilt and God will not clear any guilty person. Guilt brings condemnation and the condemnation is death for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is not my intention through this message to depress you. But I want you to understand that sin is such a terrible thing in the eyes of God. Sin is like looking God in the face and then slapping Him. And so the world suffers and has suffered 6,000 years because of sin. I said to you that the nature with which Adam was made was fine, it was sinless, but God still had to put him in a position where he had to exercise the free moral agency, which is choose. Let me see how you choose. The nature you have, I gave to you. Let me see how you choose now. God must see it. Salvation is a matter of choice. Damnation is a matter of choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever chooses to believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever chooses not to believe will perish and lose everlasting life. Let me tell you, the wages of sin is death. You can be walking around and be dead. Death begins while you're alive. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 6, She that liveth for pleasure is dead while she liveth or he and so I say to you before I close three minutes left to me if you know in your heart there's some sin you're committing and you know it is wrong all sin is wrong you know what you're doing is wrong I with humility and an identification with you all preachers of sinners we just have a job to do that hurts us deeply because we're preaching to people when we should be preaching to ourselves. It, 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 you ask any preacher, it causes tremendous agony because we're in the same boat, but we have a job to do. If you know you are engaged in something that is sin, I want you to decide right now to stop. I don't care what it is. And I say that with brotherly sympathy. I don't care what it is because I want you to live. If you know, and I know, we are engaged in an activity that is sin. No guesswork. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask us to stop. Any man... Any woman who will say, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm struggling with something. It could be overeating. It could be biting your nails. I don't care what it is. I am struggling with something. I need victory. I want you 
to stand up. I have two minutes. Stand up quickly. And I'll wait until you stand. I am struggling with something. I know pride causes arthritis in the knees and we can't get up. But God will heal it in a flash. Just tell him, Lord, give me courage to stand up. I am struggling with something and I want victory, Pastor. Pray for me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. You've said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Father, a prayer for deliverance from sin must be according to your will. And so we plead and we beg and we appeal and we importune you and we ask you in the name of Jesus, give us the overcoming power that we need. Lord, deliver us from that which has held us down. Please, Father, hear us. Because if we continue on this path, we are headed for destruction. And so we pray in the name of Jesus who shed his blood. Give us the power to overcome. Start now, dear Father, start now. And let us leave this place believing that victory has begun through Jesus Christ. Bring us back tonight to hear more of your word. I offer this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And for his sake. Amen.